Good morning and welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. We are so glad that you are here. Go ahead and come on in, find a seat. And if you're watching online, we're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Once you find your seat, would you stand and let's celebrate this truth together.
Amen. You may be seated. This morning we have the opportunity to worship through song, through the teaching of God's word, but also to observe baptism. So Hunter, hand it off to you this morning. Yeah, good morning, fellowship. I want to introduce you to my friend Carson. Uh, Carson is a fifth grader, uh, almost sixth, not too long. Uh, part of our Bentonville family, specifically Bentonville West. So we could say go Wolverines this morning. There we go. Um, and, you know, she is here to declare her relationship with Jesus publicly. Carson got to sit down with Wendy Hall uh, a little over a year ago before COVID uh, happened and talk about her relationship with Christ and why she wanted to get baptized. And it took us a while to get here, but now we're here. And a couple of weeks ago, I asked her some questions about why she wanted to get baptized and what some of the influence in her life had been. And it was so sweet to hear about how much she loved Jesus how her family has come around her so much to help push her to love him even more, how her church family has loved her well, her small group, her elementary leaders. But my favorite thing that she said when I asked her, what would you want the fellowship body to know as you stand up here? And it's that her love for Jesus has grown more and more as she spent more time uh, with him as Lord, but she's realized even more that his love for her is even greater. Um, and that is at the core of the gospel and the joy of you getting to follow Jesus. And I want you to know, even just in our time back here as we prayed and gotten ready, your joy is infectious. And we can see just how God has changed your life. And my prayer for you is that as you go throughout life, that that joy will continue to lead other people to want to know Jesus. And so, you wanna step down? Carson, is it your story that you know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior? Okay, and is it your story that you're choosing to follow him for the rest of your life, not just today, not just tomorrow, but for your whole life? All right, well, it is my joy as your brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in new life. That's awesome. What we get to do this morning is worship. And so I just wanna share with you a little bit about what worship means. Because it's a word that we hear often, but it's a word that sometimes is, is clouded in mystery. What does it mean to worship? Does it mean to just sing? Does it mean to just come into this place on a Sunday morning? One of the simplest definitions of worship that I've kind of clung to is this idea of revelation and response. That when God reveals himself to us through his word, through his son Jesus, through creation, that we are called to respond. Romans says it this way, we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is our spiritual act of worship. So we come to worship in spirit and truth and to remember. So this morning, through baptism, we remember what it means to be lost and to be found. So this morning, Hebrews 4 is gonna be our call to worship. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So as we continue to worship through song this morning, as we sing, yet not I, but through Christ in me, would we approach the throne of grace with confidence this morning? So as you continue to sing with us, let's remember well all that Christ has done. Emily leads us. What gift of grace is Jesus, my redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. 
Jude 24 and 25 says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and let's proclaim his glorious majesty. Let's proclaim his power and authority over sin and death. Let's claim it together as a family of God. Come on, sing it out with me. There is no one. There is no other so sure and steady. My hope is held in your hand. When castles crumble and breath is fleeting upon this rock I'll stand. Come on, sing it out. Upon. Upon this rock I will stand In glory, glory Jesus is better. 
take a moment to rest in that truth that he is Lord of all. That as we saw last week, that he is the radiance of the glory of God. So God, we thank you for making a way for us. So as we sing the gospel message, would you remind us all that you have done as we continue to praise your name.
come before you this morning. You are the reason we're here. You are why we're gathered. You are why we worship. You are why we can have life. God, I pray that this morning you would speak to our hearts, Jesus. You would pull us closer. You would help us love you more. Help us see how beautiful and amazing you are, God, so that we just would naturally say praise and honor unto you. God, we love you, and we give you this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can have a seat. We have a problem. We've all been infected with a disease. Everyone has it. No one is immune. The disease was with us at birth, and it began to evidence with symptoms early. And it has infected not only the entire human race, but the planet that we live on as well. The sickness presents obvious daily symptoms, and even if there is a brief remission, it has a 100% reoccurrence rate, and ultimately it ends in death without exception. Our sickness, our disease, our problem is called sin, and it has corrupted the human heart and it has compromised the human experience. We see the effects of it every day. We are fallen people living in a fallen world. Last Tuesday, I did an experiment. I just logged on to a random news website. I think I chose USA Today. And I just wanted to scan the headlines really fast. Here are the words that I saw. Riot, war, flood, shooting, methamphetamine, kidnapping, murder, racism, the evidence was compelling. We live in a fallen world. We have a problem. And as if I didn't need further confirmation of the sin disease, I had to look in the mirror that day and know that I am one of those fallen people living in and contributing to this fallen world. How about you? Do you see the problem in your life? Do you see the effects of the sin disease? The results of sin are devastating. Sin separates us from God. It robs us of joy and meaning in life. It destroys relationships. It brings brokenness and sadness into our world, and ultimately it ends in death. The scriptures say that the one who lives to please their sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction and that the wages of sin is death. We have a problem. But I have good news for you today. The creator God is fully aware of the problem, and he has chosen in his mercy and his grace to do something about it. He did not abandon us in our struggle or in our darkness or in our desperation. He did not ignore our predicament. He did not distance himself in our need. In fact, he did just the opposite. 
He did the unthinkable. He became one of us. He took on flesh. He stepped out of his holy dwelling place in heaven and he came to live in this fallen world. And he lived the life that we should have lived. And he suffered on our behalf. And he died the death that we deserved. And in that, he made a way for us to be restored to glory. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews. Today in our passage, we are going to hear about God's solution for the sin problem. And spoiler alert, it's Jesus. The book of Hebrews is about Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Jesus is in the middle and it closes with Jesus. Some have gone as far as to say that the book of Hebrews is the fifth gospel in the New Testament. And I want to invite you to join us on the journey this summer. We're going to spend 11 weeks in this New Testament book. Now, I know you're probably going to travel a little bit this summer. Aren't we ready to travel? By the way, I love a full room. You guys sounded awesome in worship. If you're watching from home, this is awesome. You need to be here. I'm about to sweat. They're going to be able to see it. It's going to be awesome. I want to invite you to join us. So if you're traveling, hey, the live stream's a perfect place to go and pick up the sermon that you missed. But out in the foyer, we've got some Hebrews devotional guides in hard copy. Pick one up. I engaged it last week, and I thought it was awesome. Our Fayetteville team put that together. They did a wonderful job. It's not too late to join us. Pick that up. You can also find it online at fellowshiprogers.org forward slash Hebrews. You can download a PDF or go there each day and read it. We're also producing a discussion guide for your small group. I've noticed that a lot of times in our rhythms at Fellowship, our small groups tend to taper off as we head into the summer, but a lot of our groups are actually ramping up because we miss each other and we haven't been face-to-face in a, a long time. And so discussion guides are available for your men's group or your women's group or your community group. The book of Hebrews is going to drive two major themes. The first theme is the superiority of Jesus. And as in the title, Hebrews, it hints towards the audience. This is a group of people with a Jewish background, and it is showing Jesus as superior to all of their former religious ways to get to God. Uh, Superior to Moses, superior to the the priests, superior to the, the temple, superior to the sacrificial system. The second theme in the book of Hebrews is a call to persevere in the faith during tough times. It'll be a practically perfect message for us in our time. Today, we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter chapter 2, verse 10. You can turn there. Um, And we're going to see Jesus presented as the solution to sin's problem. In fact, here's our main idea. Our problem finds a solution in the Savior. And as we look at the passage, we're going to see that Jesus is our hope and our help. He's our pathway to peace with God. He's the only one that can bring about restoration in our soul. And as we look at the passage today, I want you to to look for four things. First, that Jesus is the pioneer of our salvation. Second, Jesus is our liberator from the power of sin and death. Third, that he's our mediator before a holy God. And then lastly, Jesus is our helper in temptation. Let's pick it up. Chapter 2, verse 10, and see that first truth 
emerged. Jesus is our pioneer of salvation. It says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Our text begins with this phrase, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. It's talking about rescuing people out of sin and restoring them back to the glory of being unmarred image bearers of the holy God. Jesus came to this earth to bring many sons and daughters to glory, to rescue fallen people, to restore sinners back to a right relationship with God. And that includes you, and that includes me. Well, how did he bring many sons and daughters back to glory? How did he rescue people? I love the next part in the text. It talks about the manner in which the Lord enacted salvation. It says it was fitting or it was proper or it just makes sense that the creator God should enact redemption like he did. The all-powerful God who created the universe would bear the weight of our sin on his shoulders. He would suffer and endure punishment on our behalf. The God who authored creation is the God who also wrote salvation's story. And that story fits with who God is. The God who is powerful enough to speak creation into existence by his very word is the one who is powerful enough to save all by his living word, his son, Jesus. And it was perfect. Don't misunderstand the text. Jesus wasn't made perfect by his suffering as though he lacked anything in his moral character or nature. He was the perfect one to lead the way in solving our sin problem. He's the perfect pioneer of our faith. Jesus is our founder. He's our champion. He's our hero. He's our our captain. He's the originator, the one who blazed the trail, the author of salvation. He made the way for our redemption. You know, we revere pioneers. We hold them with esteem, those who invent, those who create, those who chart new territory. Walt Disney was the pioneer of animated movies. Alexander Graham Bell was the pioneer of telecommunications. Wouldn't he be impressed with what's going on today in telecommunications? It would blow his mind, man. Rosa Parks was a pioneer of civil rights. Frank Broyles was a pioneer of Razorback athletics. Wouldn't he be impressed with what's going on with our baseball team right now? When you think of a pioneer, you think of the original, the founding father, the person who was first to navigate the map, to clear the path, to create the infrastructure They're like a rock climber who's the first one up the face of the mountain, who chooses the right pathway, who sets the anchors and then extends the rope to all those who would come after them. Jesus is the pioneer of our salvation. He's the one who did the work. He created the pathway for you and for me to be reconciled back to God. So therefore, let's revere him. 
He is worthy of our allegiance. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our obedience. Look at verses 14 and 15. We'll see the second truth in the passage emerge. Jesus is the one who liberates us from sin and death. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus became one of us. He took on flesh. He was both fully God and fully man. He became what he was not without ever ceasing to be what he always was. The theological term for Jesus taking on flesh is incarnation. The incarnation is the act of the divine son taking on human nature. John chapter 1 verse 14 says it this way, the word became flesh. When Jesus was born on that holy night in Bethlehem, divinity clothed itself in humanity. Jesus, who being in very nature God, made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant, he came to earth in human likeness. Humbling himself, he took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. The son of God, the second member of the Trinity, became the son of Mary and Joseph. He was 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. Infinite, yet an infant. Eternal, yet born of a woman. Almighty, yet needing to be cradled in his mother's arms. The incarnation, God becoming man, is a profound and glorious mystery to consider. Jesus became our brother, our fellow man, a human being. Why? Well, only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of sin, death, and the devil. We see in these verses both Christmas and Easter. We have the manger and the cross, Bethlehem and Calvary. The incarnation was the first step of our liberation. Through the death and the life of the God-man, we've been liberated from sin and death and the devil, we've been freed from our slavery or our bondage. The power of these enemies to dominate our lives has now been limited and one day will be eradicated. The God-man overcame the grave and in that act, death was defeated and the hope of eternal life was birthed in us. You know, many of us live in fear of death. For some, it's a subtle undercurrent. And for others, it has a grip on everyday life. You might even be enslaved to it. Some people fear death because they fear that it will hurt. Others fear death because they don't know what's beyond the grave. It's unknown. Others fear death because they don't want to leave their loved ones behind. Some don't 
want to die because they're not ready to face the Lord because of how they're living. Death raises big questions for us. Where will I spend eternity? Has my life had meaning here on earth? Many of us in the room have lost sleep over the finality of this life. Many of us have pondered what they will say about us at our funeral. Have you done that one? Some of you control freaks have actually written your funeral. He was a good man. <laughs> Loved mama. And No, that's a Tom Petty song. How about you? How do you feel about death? You know, we're all terminal. None of us will live forever. We all have a limited number of days on this earth. Human beings have a 100% mortality rate. The great reformer, Martin Luther, remember the one who nailed the 95 thesis to the door at the church at Wittenberg? He boldly said, those who fear death still lack faith in the resurrection. And they love this life better than the one to come. He even went as far as to say that fearing death is not very Christian. Hey, I didn't say it. He did. Fearing death is not very Christian. Well, the scriptures offer a lot of thoughts on death. And the theme is that the believer has no need to fear death. By faith and trust in Jesus, we believe that we will live even though we die that we have eternal life awaiting us on the other side of this world. The book of John speaks a lot about the, the word life and deals with this question of death. John three sixteen, most beloved verse in all of the New Testament says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. John 14, verse three says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Jesus liberates us from our fear of death. Our faith prepares us to face death with peace. Jesus is our pioneer. Jesus is our liberator. Look at verse 17. Jesus is our mediator before a holy God. It says, for this reason, he had to be made like them. It's still on the theme of the incarnation. Fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. A mediator is simply an advocate. It's a go-between or a peacemaker. So a mediator, a mediator is someone who settles disputes or brings about reconciliation. The God-man, Jesus brokered a peace agreement between a holy God and repentant sinners. Now, this was written 
This letter of Hebrews was written to a group of believers with a Jewish background, and they would have been very familiar with mediators. That was the role of the Old Testament priest, to represent the people to God. And they were well aware of the priestly duties. It was through the priest that the offerings, the prayers, the sacrifices were made. It was through the priest that worship and repentance were expressed. It was the priest who would receive the sacrificial lamb from the people and offer it to the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. Here in this text, Jesus is presented as the merciful, as the faithful high priest. The one that we go to and go through to have right relationship with God, he is our mediator, our peace broker between sinful man and a holy God. And check this out. The passage not only describes Jesus as our peacemaker, our advocate, our our priestly mediator, but it actually describes him as the one who became the sacrificial offering. He didn't just receive the sacrificial lamb. He is the sacrificial lamb. In the first chapter of the book of John, John the Baptist, this powerful prophet, upon seeing Jesus, do you remember what he said? His first gut reaction, he saw Jesus and he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The passage says that Jesus made atonement for our sins. Your version might say propitiation. By his shed blood on the cross, by his suffering and death, Jesus paid our debt. He satisfied God's wrath towards our sin. Our guilt was assigned or imputed to him. And his death was offered in substitution for ours. Look at the theological descriptions that emerge from those two words, atonement and propitiation. The atonement is the work that Christ did to earn our salvation. Propitiation describes the satisfaction of God's wrath towards sin through the sacrifice of Christ, the prophet Isaiah. He describes the mediating work of Jesus, our merciful and faithful high priest, Perfectly. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The priest became the sacrifice. He became one of us so that we could be one with him. It's like that that hymn says, How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son. Why? Why? To make a wretch, that's us, his treasure. Jesus, the great, merciful, and faithful high priest, our sacrificial atonement, has reconciled us back to God. He's our pioneer. He's our liberator. He's our mediator. And lastly, look at verse 18. He is our helper. It says, because he himself suffered when he was being tempted, 
He is able to help those who are being tempted. In his humanity, Jesus experienced the full hazards and hardships of life. He experienced despair and anguish on a level that is unimaginable. He has seen, heard, touched, smelled, and felt the pains of this fallen world. So he understands. He empathizes. He identifies with us as we live in this fallen world. My wife Amy and I are empty nesters. We love it. You, for you young parents, it's awesome. Keep slugging away. One day you'll actually get to the good life when you're married but have money. It's awesome. <laughs> Being young married is not as fun. Being old married is awesome. You don't even have to tell each other what you buy. And in our empty nest years, one of the things that we love doing is sitting down with young parents or parents of teenagers and just helping them. And, and as we talk with them and advise them, we can relate to their struggles. We can identify with their weariness and their, their questions. Why? Because we've walked that road. I've taken a kid to the ER with a wound that needed stitches. I've been up all night with one that had an ear infection. I've gone overboard at the Little League part <laughs> several times. We've paced the halls nervously on prom night, waiting for them to come home so we can check their breath. <laughs> Jesus has walked. <laughs> Jesus has walked the road that we've walked. He's been there. He's been through life's joys. He's been to a wedding. He's been through life's struggles. He's been to the funeral of a friend. He's fully aware of the sin problem, and he helps. He desires to work in us to sanctify us, to make us more free from sin and more godly each day. Bible commentator Raymond Brown said this, Christ came not only to share in our humanity, but to transform it. Jesus did not merely purchase our redemption. He wants to do a complete makeover, a full overhaul, a total restoration. The scriptures say that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to what? Complete it. He's not done with you yet. We need Jesus. He's our helper, and specifically, it says in temptation that he's here to help those who are being, it's an ongoing process, tempted. While the oppressive rule of sin, death, and the devil has been broken, it, it's been robbed of its dominating power, it's still here and affecting us in a limited way. We battle daily against them. Do you feel the battle? Are you conscious of the war for your soul? Think back over last week. What's the number one temptation that you've been facing as of late? When sin and temptation raise their ugly head, Jesus is here to help. He's been tempted. And at the end of a 40-day fast, the devil came and tempted him. He's felt the lure of desire for hunger, for instance. He's experienced the pressure of choice. He's endured the schemes of the enemy. 
When we are tempted, Jesus wants us to run to him. The enemy wants us to run away and fight the battle in isolation. Jesus wants us to depend on him and his power in temptation. The enemy wants us to fight the battle alone in isolation. Jesus wants to be the loudest voice in our life in temptation. The enemy wants us to hear only his lies. In temptation, in our pursuit of godliness, the scriptures say the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need Jesus. And he knew that we would need him in temptation. In the Lord's prayer, he said, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus wants to help us in our battle for holiness. He's our helper. Our problem finds a solution in the Savior. If you hear anything else from today, I want you to hear this. We need Jesus. Amen? Jesus is our hope and our help. It's only through him that we can find a pathway to forgiveness, and we've all messed up. It's only by his resurrection can we find hope for life after death. And in him and in him alone is the only place we can find strength to resist sin and temptation. We have a problem called sin. Do you have a solution? Do you know the Savior? Do you know Jesus? The life he lived, the death he died, call for us to respond to him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. If you know Jesus, maybe you've known him for a year or 25 years or 50 years, and you just feel distant from him, I want you to come home. Maybe your spiritual rhythms have been disrupted. You've been off your regular routine and you just don't feel connected to God. I want to give you an invitation to come home. Or maybe you're here today. You don't know Jesus. You're here because you need help and you thought the church might help you or help your children. And so you came here today. You're in the right spot. He's the solution to the problem. Jesus asked us to do two things in response to his work on the cross. Repent and believe. Repent means to turn from sin and self and our own ugliness. Ask God for forgiveness. And then believe. Believe that his death on the cross was given for me. I'm going to give us some space this morning to contemplate our own souls. And as we sing this hymn, participate or let them sing over you and think about where are you when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. I'll pray for this moment. Lord Jesus, would you meet us right here and right now, in this place or in living rooms as people are watching online. And as we sing about your love and about your Savior, Lord, would you speak to us clearly about where we're at? And Lord, would you draw us all near to you? It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. to me a wretch 
I want to give you a moment to spend in prayer with the Lord before we leave today. And if you know Jesus, yet you feel distant from him, like you're living separate lives, would you just whisper a prayer to him? I'm back. 
and start pursuing him this week like never before. If you're here today or watching online and you don't know the Lord, you've been asking big questions, maybe questions about death. And you don't have answers for them. I wanna invite you to come to know the Savior. And in your time of prayer that I'm going to give you, express two things from your heart, repentance and belief. Put it in your own words. Lord, I'm sorry for the choices I've made. And Lord, I believe in you with my whole heart, the life you lived, the death you died on my behalf. And ask him to be your savior. Would you pray with me? And right where you're at, in the quiet of your heart, go to that place that only you and God go and express to him what's going on inside. Lord Jesus, we need you. More than ever, we need you. Lord, I pray for those in the room who know you, those watching online who know you, who are ready to come home. Would you meet them in that moment? Lord, I pray for those who just came to know you that expressed faith in you for the first time. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a real way. Lord, thanks for our church. Thanks for the book of Hebrews that's driving us to Jesus. It's in his name, our great, merciful, faithful high priest that we pray. Amen. Hey, fellowship. Um, thank you so much for joining us, those in the room or those watching online. If you're new to our church, I wanna invite you to participate with us. We got lots of stuff going on. If you wanna see that, you can just scan the QR reader or go to fellowshiprogers.org forward slash news and we would love to tell you about everything that's happening. Hey, an announcement for next week. Next week, Fellowship is going to mask optional on our campus. The city of Rogers is removing the mask mandate this Thursday, I believe, when school lets out. So thank you for being great during this time of masking. But next week, we're going to return to our normal rhythms from students on up. Our children and children's workers will wear masks till we get further guidelines. We'll also return to further rhythms in the foyer. We're going to have coffee, people. Yeah. It's not great coffee. It's not. That's why we don't charge. It's not. You kind of have to stomp your foot after you swallow it, but it will be here. It's free. It tastes better than the communion juice. <laughs> that tastes like Robitussin. <laughs> we will also be passing the offering plates and communion will return to normal rhythm soon. Um, and so uh, thanks for joining us shoulder to shoulder. Hey, if you're a young adult and you have moved to Northwest Arkansas during the pandemic and you don't have any friends, you've never met your coworkers you're tired of Zoom. 
Our young adult worship team is gonna be putting on a worship night for you. The Yopros will gather on June 6th in the student center. Come and meet us face-to-face and let us love on you. Hey, if you wanna learn how to study your Bible, the training center is offering a class June 6th to teach you how to take a passage of scripture and break it down. Um, As you leave, don't forget, we've got hard copies of the Hebrews Journal. These are fabulous. All the artwork in there is done by our team, and the questions are great. Also, we have a Hebrews art exhibit in the foyer. Our Spectra artists have put that together. So look at their art and appreciate their efforts. We love you. Thanks for being here today. If you need prayer, join us in the prayer room. Otherwise, see you next week.